This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to, be, welcome to ABC Church this morning. If it's your first time with us, we give you a warm welcome. And if you're joining us uh, on, online, it's uh, great to uh, see you this morning. It's Six Nations Weekend. Hey! That was a great result on Friday, wasn't it? With uh, Wales beating Ireland for a change. And it was a great result yesterday, wasn't it? If you're English, so let's, should we let them have their moment, folks? Congratulations, England, on winning the Six Nations. So I thought it appropriate, seeing as it's Six Nations weekend, for me to start with one of those gags about the Englishman, the Welshman, and the Irishman. For some reason, the Irish always seem to get bad press. Have you heard about that? So the Englishman and the Irishman and the Welshman, they get married. And they're a married couple, and they decide to go to a Scottish hotel for their honeymoon. And they get up in the morning, and these three married young couples, very much like Mark and Liana, they're in church this morning. Lovely married. They look so cute together, don't they? And they're still in that honeymoon period, and they're enjoying things, and they're all being very, very nice to each other. And so they come down for breakfast. Yeah, give it 20 years, Mark. Give it 20 years. So they come down for breakfast. And the Welshman, being the romantic type that he is, turns to his wife and says, Can you pass me the sugar? Sugar. And the Englishman, being awfully clever and doesn't want to be outdone at the table next to them, turns to his wife and says, Pass me the honey. Honey. And the Irishman, who's on the other table, doesn't want to be outdone, so he says to his wife, Pass me the tea. Bag. Sometimes, you know, all the plans that we put together, and sometimes when we're trying to say things in life, it just comes out wrong. Does it for me? Sometimes we overcomplicate life. Sometimes we need to just keep things simple. I don't know about you, but I can't stand complexity. Maybe it's because of the size of my very small brain. But I love things to be simple. In fact, any of you heard of the acronym KISS? Keep it simple. Stupid. Keep it simple. Stupid. It's believed, the acronym KISS, to originate from the 1960s from an U.S. Navy man called Kelly Johnson, who was an aeronautical systems engineer from Lockheed. And where it came from was the way he did meetings as a manager. His motto for his meetings was... Be quick, be quiet, and be on time. I kind of quite like that. At the next leaders' meeting of ABC Church, we as elders are going to have be quick, be quiet, and be on time if we can. Uh, Let's see how we get on with that. But there's varieties and variations on this simple phrase that's around. Some think it was keep it simple, silly, keep it short and simple, etc. But I like that phrase, keep it simple, stupid. Because sometimes we overcomplicate things in life, don't we? Can I ask you a question as a rough test this morning of sometimes how we make things so complicated in our own lives sometimes? 
going to ask you a simple intelligence test that's often given to students, often given to people at a job interview. And these simple four questions assess your ability to be able to keep things simple. So try it with me. Question number one, how do you put a giraffe in a fridge? Any ideas? With difficulty, thank you, Brian, for being so complicated already. <laughs> Anything else? Simple. That's right, where's Joe? The cut into small pieces, that's another one. Quite simple. Open the door, put in the giraffe, close the door. Simple. Okay, let me ask you this one then. All right, simple, simple. How do you put, if you know this, keep your mouth shut. How, how do you put an elephant in a fridge? Altogether? We said keep it simple. Open the door, take out the giraffe, <laughs> put in the elephant, close the door. Simple. You just complicate things. The Lion King is hosting an annual conference. All the animals are there except one. Which one? Because he's in the fridge. Well done. We're getting it. We're keeping it simple. And last question. There's a river that you need to cross because you decided to attend the animal conference in the jungle too. There's a river you must cross, but it's inhabited by crocodiles. How do you cross the river without being attacked by the crocodiles? Simple answer, you swim because all the crocodiles are at the conference. <laughs> Life is simple. It's really simple, but so often we complicate it. And you know, I believe that the Christian life also is simple. It is so, so simple. Can you explain to us why as, as churches and as believers so often we make it so complex? Why we can't simply put our trust in the God of miracles as we have said this morning? Matthew chapter 5 asks us a question, who of you through worry can add an hour to his life? But we, we get caught up in all kinds of mess, don't we? Because we as Christians and as believers don't keep it simple. You see, life is simple. And if we want to thrive as Christians, we need to keep simplicity and the non-complexity of the wonderful story that there's a God who loves us and wants the best for us and just simply trust in Him. But I don't know about you. Whether you're like me, so often we complicate it ourselves. We get ourselves in a tiz. We get ourselves in a mess over stuff that's going on in our lives. And I don't know what's going on in the lives of most of you this morning. I know what's going on in the lives of some of you, but some of you are sat next to another person in church this morning, and you might be saying to yourself, if people around here really knew what was going on in my life right now. I tell you what, God knows what's going on right now. And can I encourage you this morning to live a thriving life and to just keep it simple. Just put your trust in Him. But it's so hard, isn't it? It's so hard when the bills roll in. It's so hard when there's a, a family issue that happens. It's so hard deciding which guests come to a wedding sometimes. It is so, so hard because of the complexity of life. Business is simple. 
It just takes one simple rule. One simple rule to run business. Win and keep customers. If you're in business today, if you're listening online, focus on that. Win and keep customers. Put them first. Everything else will be okay. Unless, of course, we get wrapped up in all kinds of complexity about the simple issue, which is to win customers and keep them. Businesses fail for just one reason. We can call them all kinds of different things if we want, but they fail for only one reason. Bad management. You could say you haven't got any cash. How did that come about? You could say the hire was poor. How did that come about? Everything in business revolves around two simple laws to win customers and to stay away from bad management. It's simple, but so many custom companies, the ones that thrive and the ones that fail, get it so wrong easily. So many focus on profit instead of customers. And Bob Berg, in his brilliant little book, The Go-Giver, it's a fantastic little book that you could swear was written off the back of Matthew chapter 5. And he says this in The Go-Giver book, he says, profit is an echo. Profit is something that happens when you give someone what they really need, when you serve others well. And the world is full of go-getters. So he says, so don't be a go-getter, be a go-giver. Learn to serve everyone and take on a servant mindset. In fact, servant leadership is one of the buzzwords that's flying around all kinds of uh, organizations today, be they charity, non-profit, church, etc. New big buzzword. But it's, it's simple. It comes all the way from what Jesus said to John and James in John chapter 20 when they are saying, I love that passage of Scripture, they? where they send uh, the sons of Zebedee and Zebedee's wife goes up and has a conversation with Jesus about her lovely boys. Much, that maybe, much like my mother would maybe go up and have a conversation with someone about her Michael and her Philip and would maybe defend the cause and comes up to him and says to Jesus, will you remember my boys when you get to heaven and sit them on your right hand? And Jesus turns around and says, I don't get to decide who sits on the Father's right hand or what's going on there. That's up to my Father, he says. But he says this, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We are here on earth, no matter what we are here to do, we are here to serve others, not to serve ourselves. And that is the principle, or the second principle I want to talk to you this morning about in living a thriving life. And I'm going to get there in a couple of weeks' time, but for today and for the week that's to come, I want to build on what we talked about with this thriving theme that we've got for what we believe God has laid on our hearts uh, at this time as a church. And we looked at this wonderful little Peruvian village called Hukashina, which is in Peru. And that little village with 200 inhabitants is in the middle of the Peruvian desert. And the reason it thrives, the reason there's life there, is because there are certain ingredients in the middle of the desert that turns the sand to wonderful life. And so we looked at the principle of truth last week, and today we're going to look at 
uh, a big, big principle that the Bible talks about a, a lot, and it's the principle of being rooted. The principle of being rooted. A thriving life is rooted. Hugh is going to come in a moment and read to us uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 to 23. But before he does, have a look at this little time-lapse video of what happens when you plant a radish seed and the ingredients to help it thrive begin to kick in. Have a look at this video. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 to 23. Thank you, Hugh. The parable of the sower. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not do much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell upon thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other, other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever, whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? Jesus replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever, ha whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will, ever, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their, with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen to then what the parable of the sower means. 
when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receive it, receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution becomes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling amongst the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers, refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Thank you, Hugh. Give Hugh a round of applause. Can you? Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our privilege as a nation, Lord, that we've had an education system that, can, uh, that has taught us to read and write. That's a privilege in itself that we should be grateful for. But the privilege and the honor, Lord, of being able to read and write from your word is an awesome one. So, Lord, we pray, Lord, that the word that men and women have given their lives for, that we have just read, Lord, that we would have ears to hear. Lord, that we would apply it to our hearts. And Lord, that we might be good soil today. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would water and would bring heat and bring light to your word today. That we might bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold, we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Jesus said, the secrets of the kingdom are given to you. That's what he read. The secrets of the kingdom, the secrets of the simple life, the, sec the secrets of the thriving life have been given to us. But we make it so complicated. And so Jesus was forced to, when he's trying to explain to his disciples 2,000 years ago when he came to earth, he's trying to explain to them in simple ways, because they are so thick sometimes. He's trying to explain to them in simple ways what the kingdom of heaven is like. And they couldn't understand most days. So he would use and teach using parables, using pictures, to help us understand, to keep it simple, stupid. And so Jesus, in Matthew chapter 13, and Matthew records in his account, it's there in the other Gospels for you to read as well, he records this occasion that Jesus, trying to just keep it simple, explains one of the criteria of a thriving life, and says that in order for us to have a thriving life, we first of all need to understand the truth. That word that Jenny came and read this morning from John's gospel to us. That the word came and became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So that we understand the truth of the word. And that the word came to us. And if we take the seed of his word. That's what this parable is about. The seed of the message of the story of the gospel. The good news. That there's a God that loves us through his son Jesus. And if we take that seed and plant it in our good soil. We are the soil. 
If we plant it in us, we will prosper and thrive. But how many of you that are gardeners here know that not all soil is fertile soil? There's all kinds of alkali and acidity that's required in soil. Some of you with your gardeners use various type of fertilizers in order to bring it life. It needs nutrients. But I want to look at this first part and what we're going to look at in, over the next two weeks is first of all being rooted. And then when we look, gonna, what we're going to look at when we're together next time is being planted. Firstly being rooted, but secondly being planted planted and what jesus is communicating here and we'll cover these quickly in the 10-15 minutes that we've uh, got left together this morning he is talking about four types of people who receive the word who when they hear the story about the gospel when they hear the message just like you are hearing today if you're here listening to me or listening online just like you hear we can have the reaction in the same way as jesus raises in this parable and communicates to us so the first type of person the seed that falls on the path and the birds of the air come and pick it away those are people that don't have a that the, those are people that don't have an open mind in fact they are closed mind people and I'll explain to you what that what that means at the moment they are ignorant and they are arrogant and I'll explain to you what that means uh, by interpreting the scripture here um, uh, from Matthew 13. Second type of person is the person that the seed, is fall, the seed falls in rocky soil. How many of you try to grow something in rocky soil or plant something sometimes in rocky soil? It's a challenge to get those to root. But he again talks about two reasons why the, the seed that lands in rocky soil or on a rocky heart why it doesn't grow he says it doesn't grow because of trouble and persecution and he then goes on to talk about another type of person the the seed that falls amongst weeds and the thorns grow up and stop it from growing the two criteria that jesus gives for what is causing that he calls it the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth are the problem that stops the growth and causes the thorns to come in and then finally he talks about the fruitful seed the seed that is rooted and it plants and it thrives and it grows much like the video that we watched of those little radish seeds right there and there's three key criteria that are around the the seed that brings fruit it is fruitful by either 30 60 or a hundred times what was planted quite simple so what i'd like to do is talk about these four things in a simple easy way this morning and the first type of person that you might be this morning you might be a flighty person and the reason i'm using the word flighty person is because the birds of the air come in and pick away the seed the second type of person that you could be here today, you could be a rocky person because the seed has fallen on the rockiness of your heart. The third person you could be here today, you could be a prickly person because the thorns are coming for you. Or finally, you could be a fruity person because you are bearing 30, 60, 
or a hundredfold? And the one question I want to ask you to answer this morning, for you to come to some conclusions about your thriving life, I want to ask you this morning, are you flighty, rocky, prickly, or fruity? Which are you? Are you flighty, rocky, prickly, or fruity? It's unfortunate they're like that. I'd like to be rocky, if I'm being honest. But instead, this morning, I hope I'm fruity. You see, Jesus is teaching here of the flighty person. The seed that comes and is taken away by the birds of the air. They are people that have a closed mind. I want to ask you this morning, have you got an open mind? Do you have an open mind to take on board the Scriptures? Because the reason you might not have an open mind could be because of your ignorance. It could be that you've met a person in the past that talked Christianese. Do you know what Christianese is? I've met so many of these people. I see them sometimes in shopping centers with a big microphone and a megaphone sometimes, telling everybody that they're going to hell. Telling everybody that the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life. And I've got no problem with them quoting all kinds of scripture like that. But when a regular, rational person knows that the way that they get rid of their sin is to be washed in the blood of the Lamb, it takes some explaining. What do you mean I need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Well, if you are washed in the blood of the Lamb, you will be saved, says the Word of God. Saved? I'm not lost. What's going on? Yes, you are lost. No, I'm not. I'm on my way to Tesco. I know where it is. And they speak Christianese. And in an effort to win people over for Christ, they talk all kinds of language that they don't understand. And I would love to know what's going to happen when we meet Jesus one day. I would love to know that how many people are not in heaven because there was a preacher or someone that worked in the office that they might be asked some questions over the way they lived their lives and the way that they didn't help people understand because of the Christianese they were speaking. It's a privilege for us to know Jesus, isn't it? Those of us that know him, it's an awesome privilege. But I thank God for the simplicity of the gospel. So can I ask you to kiss the gospel this morning? To keep it simple, stupid. And it's easy, isn't it? We messed it up. Jesus came and tidied it up. Jesus came and we messed our lives up by our own path. Jesus came and tidied it up. That's the simple. So if you're listening online or here in the church, can I ask you to go to Gospel One to One. Great website by my uh, evangelist uh, friend in the Lord, Murray McGuffey. Gospel One to One. Google it. Great tricks and tips of how to share your faith in a simple non-Christianese way. Looking for God. If you're finding it difficult to explain to someone, uh, you know, that's asking questions about Christ, direct them to lookingforgod.com. Lots of questions and vid videos they can answer. Just say, look, I'm a simple guy. I can't explain this. And you're asking loads of different questions that I can answer. Go and have a look at that, web uh, at that website. Because some people are not ignorant because of the capacity of their brain. They are ignorant because of our incapacity to be able to communicate. 
Mike was preaching a couple of weeks ago and talked about a teacher. I'm not going to mention her, but she was female. That's enough. There weren't many female teachers at our school. But she said to me about mathematics, I've passed S-level maths when I was in college in the ed. I did. But I was told when I was in school, when this teacher was teaching maths, she said to me when I couldn't understand quadratic equations. Do you remember that? And in the end, I was doing calculus. I was doing all kinds of stuff. It's quite simple and straightforward. I can't remember half of it now. But when I couldn't understand quadratic equations, do you know what she said to me? Phil, if you don't understand it now, she didn't say that, she said, Morgan, if you don't understand it now, you'll never understand it. Let us be a church, can we? That people never say to us, or that we never tell others, if you don't understand it now, you'll never understand it. Because I tell you what, I don't understand it all now already. I don't. I've been saved for goodness knows how many years. And I'm still trying to get to grasps with so many of the stuff in the Bible. But let's us kiss the gospel and keep it simple. But secondly, you might not get it because you're not ignorant because of someone not explaining it to you effectively. You might be arrogant. Do you know what arrogant people are? My father used to tell me the difference between determination and stubbornness. Quite simple, Philip Ach used to say to me. Being determined is having considered everybody else's opinion because you've got an open mind and you listen and still having yours. That's determination. But being stubborn is having your own opinion, not even considering others and still having your own. Simple, isn't it? That's the difference between stubborn. I want us as a church to be determined. Can we be determined? But let it never be said of us that we are stubborn. And stubborn people are arrogant people. They know it all. They've got nothing to learn. And some of the scientists that I know that are supposed to be asking all kinds of questions about our world because oh, the whole essence of science is about trying to discover things and having hypotheses and seeing if they're true or false and carrying out experiments to come to the conclusions about the world around us. And yet some of the scientists that I know personally are so arrogant that they will not even consider the thought in their own mind that there might be a God because to them it's irrational. Irrational. What's irrational is telling me that I come from a chimpanzee. I think that's irrational. What's irrational to me is telling me that the Big Bang just happened. What caused the bang? Just happened. The universe just decided one day to go Why? Because last time I checked, a bang has got a cause, hasn't it? You try and make a bang without a cause. Let me know how you get on with that and come back to me. But the arrogant mind does not want to even consider opening itself up to the concept. And as Christians, sometimes we can be like that, even having come to faith. We still have an arrogant mind because we don't want to listen to what the Word of God has got to say in our lives. And so we end up not prospering. And the root doesn't grow. So quickly, let me run through the others. So if you're a flighty person this morning, can I encourage you to get rid of an arrogant and an ignorant thought? And if you want to know more, come and see me or email us as a church and we'd be delighted to help you. Are you rocky? Are you a rocky person? Because the rocky person 
listens to the Word of God, and I know so many that have come to faith in Christ. Even over the last two years, I've had the privilege of having a couple of people that are in my world come to faith in Jesus Christ and say, yes, I want to come, come to faith in Christ. Just even last year, there was a young person that was in our church here that came to faith uh, in Jesus and says, yes, I believe the story God has really moved me today. Went home, and this young teenager had had his mother convince him otherwise of the folly of his way. Mother did not want him to become one of those crazy Christian people like me. The mother was arrogant, didn't want to even consider the view. Arrogant in telling her son, you will live my way, not your way. Arrogant in removing that teenager's free will to decide for himself how he wants to live life. Arrogance. I want to tell you, I'm not arrogant. My children, I have three girls. I hope that they follow faithfully after God. But it's their choice. I will give them all the information for them to come to rational conclusions. And one day, I hope to God that he answers my greatest prayer, which is, Lord, let my three girls be spending eternity with me and Ruth in heaven. But I don't know if I make it. I'm just being realistic with you. I don't know. And there are many of you here that are judging yourselves because maybe your sons and your daughters and your wives are not saved. That's their choice. They have a free will. Nobody puts a gun to your head. Jesus didn't come and said, become Christians or I will shoot you. Did he? He just said, follow me. Follow me. And if you want to follow me, great. If you don't, it's up to you. Trouble came his way in the life of the young man. He became a rocky, unsteady Christian and couldn't stand up to the trouble or the persecution. I tell you, if you come to faith in Jesus Christ, expect it to come. It's not all going to be daisy swirls. It's not all going to be all lovey-dovey and roses everywhere when you become a Christian. Look out! Because you will be laughed at, you will be mocked at, all kinds of things will happen to you. But I tell you, you will live a thriving life. number of people that have mocked me for my beliefs, and yet they're the very ones that three, four years later are turning to me for marital advice. Ones that have mocked me about life after death, and then when they lose their loved ones, they're turning to me and asking me to pray for them. Stand, church. Let's be, and uh, let's be people that are thriving, and let's stand up to the trouble and persecution that is to come. Thirdly, are you a prickly person? You see, a prickly person, as talked about here, is not rooted because at their core they are self-centered. That's what it is. They're self-centered. Let me show you it. They're prickly, and Jesus gives two criteria for the reason that the, that the uh, root doesn't grow like a radish plant. He says the reason it doesn't grow because the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth come in and choke their lives. Not getting any sunlight. Not growing effectively because of the thorns, because of the stuff on the outside of their lives. The worries of this life is a person that's influenced instead of by their faith and an understanding that God has a plan for them, they are influenced by their own self-centered thinking. And they lack purpose 
because they're caught in living out their own will rather than living God's will. Jesus taught us to pray, didn't he? He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the quest for us as believers, is that God's will would be done in our lives. A self-centered person with a self-centered outlook lacks purpose because their only purpose is themselves. Secondly, the person that falls to the deceitfulness of wealth is a person that gets again caught up in their own self-centeredness. If I can have this, if I can have that, I will be happy with, I'll be happy when. Caught up in consumerism that is taking our world by storm to to today. And wealth is deceitful. Doesn't bring you any joy and happiness at all. Gives you choices, I'll give you that. And those choices might bring you happiness. But the deceitfulness of wealth is a problem with possessions. And so Jesus talks about these two areas. If you have a problem with purpose... And if you have a problem with possessions, if you have a problem with your purpose because the worries of this world are swinging in on you so much so that you lose sight of what God is actually doing through you. Read Job. Read Job. It's harrowing to read the story. Yet it's a lesson in purpose and possessions. See how he is at the beginning. See how he ends up at the end if you read the book of Job. I can't answer it. But all I know that the stuff that we go through in life is part of the purpose God has for us. And if some of you are blessed with possessions, great, I'm happy for you. And if some of you aren't, then equally so. I'm happy for you. Because that's how God works. We believe in prosperity in this church, but we don't believe in health and wealth. That's the difference. We believe that God prospers some of us through the journey that we have been given to walk, which is different for all of us. So is your purpose Christ-centered, Jesus-centered, and God-centered? Because if it is, your seed will grow and will come into a thriving life. And lastly, are you a fruity person? I pray you are. Are you fruity this morning? I want to challenge you to assess your fruitfulness. Who's your 30? Who's your 30? What I mean by that is saying that good seed that becomes fruitful yields 30 or or 60 or 100. How fruitful are you? I want to apply that practically if I can. Can you name 30 people that have come to faith in Christ through your work, through your efforts? Can you? Who's the person or the people that you are praying for right now that God would work through you to win them? Where's your 50 or your 60 or your 100? When I read this scripture years ago, I decided that I wanted to be a hundredfold fruitful purpose. That's part of my competitive nature. If you're going to give me 30, 60 or 100, which one am I going to aim for? I'm going to aim for the big one, aren't I? That's me. That's my makeup. I'm part of the way there, but I am hoping that in the time that I have here on earth, that I can pray for as many people, and it's so challenging, isn't it? I've got friends and neighbors, even my brother, my brother Peter is on that list, and Peter's not in the kingdom yet. I want to go with him to heaven. 
when we get there, I want my mother, and I want Mike, and I want me, and I want Peter to be there with us. He's on the list. And I pray, I come every pair and praise. You don't know this, Mark, but when you hand those little bits of paper out week after week after week, where we do the, I put the same person down there every time. I believe in miracles. I believe he's going to come. And when he does come, we are going to praise the Lord together. Can we kill a fatted calf? Can we get a ring? And when he comes, we are going to... I pray he comes before you go, ma'am. Take that in the way I'm saying it. Yeah? So you can see it, because dad hasn't seen it. But I pray that he comes. Have we got a passion to be fruitful? To take our friends and our neighbours and our guests. If you really love the people that are in your life, surely you would tell them. Surely you would tell them that there's a heaven and that there's a hell and that they can live a thriving life. And if they come to faith, faith in Christ, they can have what you have. Surely we're telling them, are we? Where's our 30? Where's our 60? Where's our 100? Church, let's live a thriving life. Let's be rooted, shall we, today? Because the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you. May God bless you. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.